You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 16 years from today, Greg Gerstner will finally land the perfect cannonball. Epic Splash. Unsuspecting Friends. A work of art only possible because Greg is already meeting all these same people at AARP volunteer and community events that keep him active and involved and help make sure his happiness lives as long as he does. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org local. Welcome into this Monday scramble, October 3rd, the first one of October, and there's so much to talk about. An action-packed weekend at Hazeltine National for the 41st Ryder Cup. I am with Will Gray and Trip Eisenhower, Chantal McCabe, and we have a lot to unpack. So let's get started. Your first initial reaction after this was all over and USA was victorious. Uh, amazing. Uh, USA finally made putts. Uh, it was hey, it, it, US the task force made putts. The, the task force, the force, didn't force hit, made yeah, putts. The, uh, some task force members hit some shots and made yeah. some key putts, but the task force had nothing to do with this victory. And I, we'll talk about the task force more. But this was about, and I, we said it: when, when the Americans finally make putts on Sunday or throughout the week, that's when they're going to win this championship. They played some of the best golf I have ever seen in a Ryder Cup. I'm inspired. And really, you think about the Europeans. I know on paper it looked like a, a runaway. I mean, 17 points to 11 points. But you think about a couple of these matches that could have switched late yep. for Europe. Europe could have won this very easily. So it was razor thin. I know the score looks like a blowout, but it was not. And I am so impressed with how the Americans played under pressure, and they finally closed the deal. They delivered. As you said, Trip. I will say uh, this is the most hyped golf event. Every two years it comes around. You forget how much hype and, and pressure there is tied to this event until you get to that week, and it's somehow over-delivered this week. Just everything about the, the entire Ryder Cup at Hazel team was top-notch, and I want to bottle the Patrick Reed-Roy McIlroy match, <laughs> and I want to keep Captain it. America! I want to keep it for both sides, though. Rory, Rory was just as good as, yeah. as Reed was in that match. I want to keep that forever and have it just as, as motivation for whatever I need in life because that was everything you ever want the Ryder Cup to be. As you said, Tripp, it came down to making putts, and I think that historically we're going to look back at this and think it was a blowout. You might harken back to the 18.5, 9.5 matches in 04 and 06. This was not that. This could have easily turned and could have been another European victory. It had all the elements, excitement, intensity, gutsy efforts. I loved watching every single second of it. Never got boring. And there was somebody who was there who can give us a little bit more insight into the atmosphere. Rex Hoggard, senior writer, GolfChannel.com. Welcome in. Tell us what your favorite moment of, was of the weekend. Well, it is amazing. I mean, I've always kind of said that the Masters is the best event in golf, but I think the Ryder Cup might be the best event in sports, and it just seems to get bigger. I mean, the, the stage was just amazing. To, to stand on the first tee at 6.30 in the morning and see people five deep waiting for a tee time that's not coming for another hour, and I think Will is right. When you think about the pressure these guys were under, now I don't necessarily agree with Tripp. I think the task force did serve a purpose. In a weird way, I think it actually added more pressure 
to the Americans, which makes what they did even more impressive in my mind. Yeah, if you're going to talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. you got to do one or the other. Phil Mickelson was able to do that with uh, his comments that were made so public this week and all of the turmoil that came from that. Maybe, uh, Rex, you can fill us in on what the fans were like there because watching yeah. uh, from television, you could just be feeling like you were part of the grandstands. What was it like from your perspective? Uh, the vast majority of the fans were fantastic. I mean, it, it was just amazing to walk around the place, and it was electric. I mean, when Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy trade those putts on number eight yesterday, I don't know that I've ever felt a cheer like that. I, I was at the Ryder Cup at the K-Club a few years ago when Darren Clark stepped to the first tee, and, of course, it was right after he'd lost his wife, and it was in Ireland, and it met so much, and the ground was shaking. It was better than that. I mean, for the entire crowd, to react the way they did to both putts. I mean, they, they were obviously rooting for the Americans, but when you think about how much went into this and how important this was for the United States, but then still to cheer the European players when they did something like Rory did, which was fantastic play, it was so impressive. All right, Rex, I want to go back to something you said earlier, and I agree with you that the task force and everything that went into the last two years put extra pressure on the U.S. It makes their victory that much more satisfying, but what in your mind, did the task force do right in, in setting this path for not only this win, but I think that they're looking 8, 10, 12 years down the line. And do you feel like this is a, a new generation for this U.S. Ryder Cup team? Well, I think that's going to be the key. I mean, talking with the members of the task force, talking with the members of the leadership last night, David Love, Steve Stricker, Jim Furyk, even Tiger Woods, certainly Phil Mickelson would be in, in that category. They all kind of echoed the same comment that this was great, that it's wonderful to get a win, and especially under these circumstances when you consider all the pressure that was on them. But this is about the long term. This is about the long haul. They want to try to set up a scenario where 10 years from now they can look back and say, you know what, the things we did, work. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to mean that the United States is going to win the next five Ryder Cups, but as long as they're close and as long as they're still in matches and as long as they feel like they're being placed in the best position to win, that was always Phil Mickelson's contention. That, look, you can sit and roll your eyes at the task force, which I'm sure Trip Eisenhower is doing that right now. No. But what they did is put players in the best position to win. They allowed them to prepare for this tournament just like they would a major. They allowed them to do the things that they would to put them in some sort of situation where they can go out and play their best off, and that's what we saw. Well, but Rex, it's more about, and, and what I want to get your perspective on, and where my perspective on the task force is, is it's a playbook now going forward. The actual golf still has to be played by the players, and they have to perform like they did this last week in Minnesota. So when I, when I criticize uh, the, ta the task force getting the credit for the victory, I'm not criticizing, um, I'm just saying that the golf has to be played by the players, but agreed that down the road, a playbook, because Europe has had a playbook. And what did the, the members of the task force say about that going forward? Well, yeah, that's kind of my column today that's going up on GolfChannel.com this afternoon, where, look, you're right, they copied what seemed to come so naturally to Europe. It was organic there, where they just passed it along to each captain. There was this playbook, and each one tinkered with it a little bit, but basically stayed with the same blueprint, and that's what they're trying to do. And I think what they really got right, and, and trust me, they hate it when we refer to the task force now. They really want us to start talking about the Ryder Cup committee. But what the task force really did well, I think, was they came up with the first captain, which was Davis Love, who would really embrace this whole process. There's a lot of ego. That, goes in, that is involved in this. And you needed a captain that was willing to take these five other vice captains 
and listen to what they had to say and incorporate their ideas. And I think the perfect example of that is that David did pass. Saturday afternoon, everything's going nuts. He's trying to figure out what his four-ball pairing is going to be in the afternoon. Everybody's got a different opinion. And finally, Tiger Woods stepped in and told him, you cannot lead Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed out of the afternoon lineup. The intention was to sit them to let them rest. And he listened to Tiger, and, of course, they went out, and they got a point and a lot of momentum. I think that was the key. This is the kind of captain that you're going to see in the future. You're going to see the Steve Strickers and the Jim Furyks move forward and really incorporate the entire team aspect. Well, you definitely heard members of the team thanking the vice captains and especially Bubba Watson. That was such an emotional interview afterwards. And you heard Zach Johnson and Brent Snedeker thanking him for being there every step of the way. But I'm curious, Rex, your perspective. Was it more of what the task force was doing, or was it the unity of all the things going on between the smack-talking back and forth with Arnold Palmer's death on Sunday and that kind of setting the tone? Was it more the task force, or was it actually what was happening in a blend of everything together? It was probably a combination of everything. Certainly, Arnie's passing, having his bag on the first tee on Friday afternoon from 1975. That was the last time the U.S. team swept the foursomes competition, and to go out on Friday morning and sweep the foursomes competition, they, they had a lot of meaning. Clearly, the players spent a lot of time thinking about that, and there was a lot of emotion involved. But the biggest thing, I mean, and to go back to the task force, is I think you gave the U.S. players ownership, and you saw that. I agree with Tripp 100% that this really boils down to the play on the field, and they did make some putts on Sunday afternoon, and they proved that they were the better team this time around. But what the task force really did was give them an opportunity to go out and perform and feel like what they were doing was all moving in the right direction. Well, you talk about how good their play was. I think probably the most memorable images were the fist pumps and all the excitement that came from the singles match between uh, Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy. What do, you, what do you think, Will? Yeah, for sure. I think that that's going to be the highlight of, of the tournament. And, and you can say that the Phil Sergio match had more birdies, which it did. But, but you look, especially that front nine, Rex, as you were saying, just such an electric atmosphere. As they're not only making birdie on top of birdie, but he, you know, you're making a 30-footer on top of a 50-footer and just absolutely egging the crowds on. It was something, something else. Rex, what, what, what were you thinking as this was all unfolding in front of you? I mean, it seems like you could not unglue yourself from this match. Well, initially I was thinking how they were going to continue this. I mean, it, it had been a long week. There had been a lot of emotion, a lot of energy expended, and you have to wonder how they were going to finish this off. And I think on the back nine, specifically with Rory, you saw it maybe catch up to him. I think you may have saw that with Phil as well. I mean, there was so much that went into this. But watching that on the front nine, I, I was wondering how – Patrick Reed was going to do his post-round interview, and, and he was very, very hoarse because after you scream like that for three consecutive days, it's not easy to, to sort of recover. But I also thought the same thing that Tripp did. I mean, that, that's something truly special. I mean, I think that's going to go down as maybe one of the greatest Ryder Cup moments of all time. All right, let's now talk Phil Mickelson and that Sergio Garcia match that obviously, tit for tat, it just, you never wanted it to end because it just was so exciting. And 63 for both players, which is, I believe, the lowest score of competitive play this time for lowest uh, this season, which is pretty yeah. remarkable. Yeah, 19 birdies. And, and again, you, you, between the two, you, you go back and forth. Rex, I, I think Chantel's point is exactly right that... Uh, uh, that's the two best scores that, that have been shot in singles match in, in, in Ryder Cup history, I would imagine. 
Well, and again, we, we started talking about Patrick Reed and Rory McIlroy. That was kind of the marquee pairing, and, and rightfully so. There were a lot of fireworks, especially on the front nine. But when you look at what those two did, Phil and Sergio, I mean, that was a really remarkable play. And, and to have two veterans and it really to come down to the last hole the way it did, I, I'm not quite sure. It, there was a little bit of a debate. If Phil Mickelson got off the ground higher on that putt on 18 than he did in 04 at Augusta, I'm not quite sure. He admitted he's a, little, a couple of years older he right pulled, now. He pulled but, the legs up, though, which was a good yeah. move. That, it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, it made the vertical. Yeah, it added yeah. to the vertical leap. I, I think the part that impressed me the most, specifically with Phil, is he was so invested in this. And he had been such a big part of this process. And you could tell. He was pulling a lot of the strings behind the curtains, and he wanted to really be out front. I think a lot of people were surprised to see him early Friday morning in that fortunes match. But to play the way he did is very impressive, and what could very well be his last Ryder Cup. The passion was on display for sure, and those were the moments that you certainly won't forget being there. Thank you for joining us, Rex. Get some sleep, will you? Thanks, guys. Have a great morning. See you, Rexy. <laughs> All right, so what was your favorite moment of everything that unfolded? Um, There's too many to choose from. Well, no, I mean, my favorite moment is, is that front nine between Rory and, and Patrick Reed. I, as a player, to follow up and top somebody is the hardest thing to do as a player. And we saw it done repeatedly. And Patrick Reed to do it, I can only think of four key putts all week that he did not make. And I'm, and I'm talking, they were difficult putts, and they looked like they were going in. Um, that moment on the eighth green when Rory makes that putt and is, you know, gets trying to, you know, quiet the crowd, get him, you know. He was going apoplectic. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And then Patrick Reed to make it yeah. and turn around. And then, but then what I loved was the, the true sportsmanship. The yep. They both bumped the fist and said, way to go. That's, see, that's what you want. And the other thing, too, that the, the other element of that match is Roy McIlroy right now is the best player in the world. Yep. Uh, clearly, the last month uh, in, in the last big, month. big two weeks for Team Rory apologists over here that say that Rory, <laughs> when everyone's at their best, Rory is the best. And, uh, uh, and he, the yeah, and then Patrick Reed to take him down. Yes, I, I yeah. mean, that's right there. And the putt on 18 just summed it all up. It, it put a nice little bow on that match. And, and the key was America had to get at least one point of those first four. Yep. Because if you saw all blue flags on those first four, then it can switch. And we they saw that happen in 2012. And that's what Patrick Reed kept from happening. Well, U.S. was able to stop Europe in their tracks and not let them win four in a row. So it's nice to be able to celebrate this. But going forward, what do they have to do? If you look at how this all unfolded on Friday with the foursomes and having Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth as a team, that also helped to set the tone. So the two of them, why did they work so well and what will that mean going forward, Will? Well, I think that they spoke about this early in the week that, that they just like to try and beat each other. And this is a format where it works to their advantage, where, where especially in four ball, Patrick Reed is just trying to beat Jordan Spieth and vice versa. And that usually adds up to a lot of birdies. Clearly, they were a good team at Glen Eagles. They were a better team this time around at Hazeltine. I think that they are the they are the Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson mm -hmm. pairing for yep. the next decade going forward for the U.S. Looking forward to 2018 in Paris. I know we're all ready to book our flights right now, but <laughs> I mean, the U.S. hasn't won in Europe in 25 years by right. the time you get to Paris. That's a long time mm -hmm. since they've won an away game. There's certainly going to be a little bit of psychological advantage there for the Euros, but uh, as long as you got Patrick Reed and Spieth leading the team, I think that they've got a good shot. Yeah, and, and but the other thing too, the, at, at the team aspect of it, Jordan did not play well. He did Friday, not. Friday and Saturday, or Saturday and Sunday, yeah. he did not play well. He played solid on Friday, but on um, 
uh, on he was sloppy on Saturday. In well, it started with that match Saturday morning that they let get away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they slipped up late, and that's where, you know, his play, his poor play cost Patrick Reed there, you know, as yeah. far as, you know, getting things. And Patrick was able to save it, at least with that great par putt on 18 in the Saturday morning uh, foursomes match. But the, the great thing about a team is the ability to um, – play yin to his yang, you know, and when he's off, Patrick Reed stepped up, and he stepped up in a big way. Patrick Reed beat Henrik Stenson and Justin Rose on Saturday afternoon. Jordan Spieth uh, lost, lost to Stenson in Sunday singles, is now 0-4 in singles across the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. That is a very strange stat to tie to a guy like Jordan Spieth. Yeah, and, but uh, that's going to change. I mean, he, he's, he's going to show up. I understand, up and, but four is, four is a big enough sample size for it to be a thing. I, I agree, I agree, but he's always going up against the best player. That's true. I mean, so you got to give that. I mean, he's not going up against one of their weaker players because you're going to put him in a spot where he's out when you're going to go straight. In your, you, know, you know, so that, at least in his defense. But he did not have his best stuff this, this after Friday. Yeah. What was impressive was all 12 members of the United States Ryder Cup team were able to secure a point yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Was there anybody that was left off the team that you think we might see in 2018? Bubba Watson, I would say. I'll start with Justin Thomas and Daniel Berger. Well, those two, yeah. Those two are, I mean, yeah, yeah Bubba Watson, seventh-ranked player in the world. He'll probably be there. You would think that he, he has the game to continue. But I look, when you're talking about the, the future generation and, and if this created a split in the path, then now they're going to be more successful. It's going to be guys like Thomas and Berger who are going to team with Brooks Kepka, who had a sneaky good week. Mm -hmm. Then you add in Spieth and Reed and a little bit of veteran leadership, and all of a sudden you have a very tantalizing roster to take across the pond. And, hey, Ryan Moore. Ryan okay. Moore, yeah. Hey, look, I mean, you know, he's the guy, like you mentioned uh, earlier in the week, in, in 2014, was 11th on the list. Didn't even get a call from yep. Tom Watson. Yep. Didn't even get fitted. I know. And <laughs> the last guy picked is the, the guy to get the cup uh, or, you know, secure it uh, with that his great play late in that match. Yep. I mean, that was a fantastic finish. He makes eagle on 16, uh, hits it close on 17, uh, and then ends up winning that, that match and that point. That was huge. I, I, I thought Ryan Moore should have been the pick. I'm glad he was the pick. And you look at his match play acumen. I mean, it's pretty solid. I mean, yeah. he's he won the Publinks, the U.S. Amateur, back in. So the guy knows how to do it in match play. Between Ryan Moore and the coming out party for Thomas Peters, it was a big week and a showing for the notion that you can take a rookie with a captain's pick yeah. and it could work out. Absolutely. Another rookie, uh, Brooks Kepka. You had mentioned him. Three and one in his first Ryder Cup appearance. Brooks was here. Yeah, I mean, why, why was that? Why was he playing some of his best golf on this stage after maybe a couple months that he was disappointed in himself? Well, I think he he is another one of those players who is able to rise to the occasion. He was injured at the PGA Championship at Baltusrol, still finished fourth, locked up his spot on this team, was never in any doubt that he was going to make the team, he's going to make it on points, and he's going to play well. He has the confidence and the swagger that you're seeing of a lot of these younger guys' trip that I think is going to help the U.S. turn this tide against the Europeans in the long term. I, I agree, and, and I love the Kepka-DJ pairing. Yes. I mean, no, uh, that is a great bombs pairing. Away. Yeah, bombs away. <laughs> and and you, you look at, um, even though they lost, it's, all right. I, it's fine, but you, you look at Kepka, what he does so well is he is a long hitter, not a straight hitter by any stretch of the imagination. But what he does do is he is a fantastic putter. Mm -hmm. You've got to give him credit with the, uh, with the putter. Uh, statistically, he, he lines up. He's always up there in the top 30 in strokes gained putting, which is a key uh, measure of how well you're putting. So uh, you throw in that aspect. And the, just he's got that demeanor that he's not going to get bothered. He's not going to be intimidated by anyone. 
Uh, he will be a big part. I, I think he's going to be that guy now. If he doesn't secure a spot on the team, he'll, he'll be one of those guys picked. All right, let's look at Team Europe now. Mm -hmm. Plenty of talk about the red, white, and blue. Team Europe, uh, Lee Westwood. Kind of yeah, surprising to see uh, not his best performance. What did you make of that? Yeah, definitely not his best performance. I mean, he started a couple weeks ago by poking the bear with this whole notion that, you know, Tiger could have an adverse effect in the team room for the U.S. And then Westwood not only puts up 0-3, but it was a disastrous 0-3. First off, Saturday. You, team with, you team with Thomas Peters in the first match, and now that loss looks even worse considering how well Peters played after that. Then he absolutely gave away a point in this in, on Saturday's four balls, where I really think if it's 9-7 instead of 9.5 yeah. to 6.5, it's a totally different ball game. And then Sunday he goes against Ryan Moore and has the winning point clinched against him. It was just it was absolutely a week to forget for Two Lee Two up Westwood. with three to play. Yeah. And a par five in front of you, you got to get that done. And, and he didn't. I mean, now, now, granted, Moore hit it in there close and made an eagle. To his credit, you know, so he kind of... That's just one hole. You got three, you got to exactly. find Exactly. You got to step up and, and you cannot let him, um, you know, get that point. And then the, the uh, on Saturday, I do, if you're struggling with the putter the way Lee was this week, I don't understand why that Willett should have not putted Waited. first. Yes. Because psychologically, you're yeah. like, oh, he's behind me with eight feet. I'll just tap this one yeah. in. And he would have made that putt. I guarantee you he would have made that putt had, had Willett not gone ahead and missed. So, um, again, Lee Westwood has a stellar Ryder Cup record, but Darren Clark, um, you know, picked him because he's his buddy and he, he thought he was going to deliver, and he did not. He did not. And if you look ahead to 2018, what do you expect from this team you're up and having uh, Thomas Peters and the success that yeah. he was able to secure? Well, I think Captain Podrick Harrington is going to do a well, great I think, job. I think Captain Thomas Bjorn will do even better yeah. than Captain Podrick Harrington. Oh, okay. all right, all right, all right. All right. That's fine. I think yeah. it's a, those are probably yeah. the two leading candidates. I don't think there's a question about that. Those two are going to be captains yes. in the future, whether it's in France it's 18 or not. and 22. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. Well, either way, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with Captain Padraig Harrington. We've got a couple years to he, toss us around. Trip. He's got a great mixture of young players that now have experience. Fitzpatrick gained a lot of experience this week. He did not play his best, yeah. admittedly. But um, you got Andy Sullivan, you got Wood, you got all these players now that, that got their, their feet wet in the Ryder Cup. And these are, these are world-class players. And now you've got Thomas Peters, who uh, clearly is that guy that I think has the cachet, has everything to be a top ten player in the world. I really think he's, he's already got it. shushing the crowd. I know. That was great. <laughs> he's got his talking about swagger. Yeah, he's already yeah, yeah. put his on display. Maybe next time around you include Russell Knox, just a thought. Absolutely. Uh, it was uh, I, it was remarkable. I was going back over you know, you look at all the win loss records and there's six English players on this team in twenty sixteen. They combined to go three and fourteen, including Owen six in singles. That is remarkable and a huge reason why, I mean, obviously, it's the reason why they lost the cup, but Justin Rose goes mm -hmm. two and three. Yeah. Willett and Westwood both go 0 oh and three. Fitzpatrick and Sullivan don't get a point. So those are guys who, who, yeah, they just did not bring their best game this time around. But Chantel, I would expect many of those six to be on the team two years from now, and I would expect that the play would uh, get a little better. And, and, and you, it's easy to look at the records, but if you look at the matches, they were all razor I mean, they were yes. razor thin. Yeah. Other, there were very few blowouts. In but this, that's in the this. point, is that this, this was a week where every coin flip went the Americans' way. Correct. And that's why... Yeah. 15, 13, or 14 and a half, 13 and a half became 17, 11. Yes.
Yes, absolutely. So I think the Euro Europeans need to take more. Hey, we were right there. We had a chance. We didn't play our best. Now, imagine when we do throw our best at them, I think we can take them down. So they're going to they're gonna look at the glass half full, hopefully. Well, yeah, and then back on home turf, you get a little bit more favorable yeah. course oh, when yeah. it's uh, a harder you call course. The That's shots. what Justin Rose yeah. wants, Hey, right? this is no program uh, going over there, right? Yeah, a little too easy for the U.S. <laughs> Open and Olympic champion. Yeah, excuse me. All right. Well, well, but I, I get that. I get yeah. his point. I mean, he, he wants a hard setup. He wants par to be a good score. He but doesn't want to have to make a lot of birdies. Of course, but, but it, when it, you're you're the home team, you get to make those decisions. Well, not so. only that, but that's the mistake that the U.S. made at Medina. That if they would have if yes. they would have put the pins in yes. the middle of the greens on Sunday, that that yes. you would have had something like this. Yes, you would have, and then yeah. probably the U.S. would have gotten that one again. Another razor thin. Yes. You know, and the 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 other thing too is um, I don't think we'll see a four zero again. I really don't. That that opening day, I mean, it, it, then you were like, okay, America's going to blow these guys out. It, ultimately, the score did say that, but, man, Europe got right back they got in back it. within a point. Yeah. At that, when it's six and a half, five and a half going into Saturday afternoon, you kind of felt like Europe was favored. Yeah, and the momentum on yeah. their side, definitely, especially the way Spieth and, and um, uh, Reed closed out their morning match on Saturday. Yep. So, uh, again, just this is one of the... The, the highest level of golf I've seen in a Ryder Cup, though. I mean, as far as performance from both sides. Absolutely. It was written for history. This was a special week because of the way it started, how mm -hmm. emotional it was, the talk back and forth. And on television, it was so contagious with the fans. And even the broadcasters yeah. were really uh, yeah. just as into it as everybody else. And speaking of television, this is what is ahead. Uh, we have some European Tour action and Web.com Tour Championship. This will determine who oh, yeah. is going to be able to play in the PGA you, Tour next season. This is a lot on the line. You want to watch that that tournament because that is now the Q School. The, yep. the guys had three other bites at the apple. Now, if you're on the outside looking in, do not have a PGA Tour card. It's four rounds, and that's it. And yep. you don't you're and. I can tell you there's a huge difference, and these guys know it, especially guys who've had tour experience between playing the Web.com tour and playing the PGA tour. The way I describe it is you're either eating hamburger all year or you're eating steak, and I like steak, and most people do, <laughs> you too. You do like steak. Yes. I do know that about you. And is there anybody who's on the cusp that you think is really in danger real quickly before we go? Well, yeah, I mean, Camilo Villegas has not played good at all. Uh, he's a guy I thought would get a card. Um, uh, he's got one week, and he's risen to the occasion before. And again, a top five finish pretty much guarantees it. So uh, he's got to finish in the top five. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up and win, though. Yeah, he, that's certainly a big name. I would say Brendan DeYoung is yeah. another guy who mm -hmm. very surprisingly struggled this season on the PGA Tour. Has not yet gotten it together in the first three Web.com Tour events of the finals. But as you said, just takes one good week, and then you're right back in it. All right. Well, guys, this was fun. It was. We don't do it every week. Let's right? start the Ryder Cup this week in Paris. Let's all just go. Let's <laughs> yeah, Patrick Green play Rory every yeah. day of the week, and let's just do it let's again. Do it. It's like this excitement. I, I honestly had a hard time sleeping last night because it was, I mean, I yeah. could not stop watching the highlights. It was just one thing after another, and mm -hmm. even the press conferences afterwards, those were equally as fun. Yeah. So lots of excitement, and we just put a, a nice little bow on that, and now we are starting to already count down 2018. So thank you for joining us on this Monday Scramble podcast, Will Gray, Trip Eisenhower. I'm Chantel McCabe. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. 
Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.